Welcome into the Trouble with the Snap podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. Be sure to check us out on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Be sure to like the Facebook page, comment on that. Share the content as well. Uh, there you can listen to our last podcast where I talked about the Big Ten's execution of expansion being worse than the actual idea with how they're sitting around waiting for Notre Dame. That topic, by the way, was also one of the topics covered by my next guest on his brand new podcast, Beyond the Bank. Sean Vergoven, doing it big, said, Tyler, you know, I'm sick of riding shoddy with you. I'll ride with you to, to uh, promote my show one more time, but then, you know, I got my own deal going. Sean, how you doing, man? Hey, doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Got the idea from you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, Sean, you do a good job on your first show, man. You know, things get better, things get easier, things sound better as uh, you go along, as long as you're not driving past semis while you're doing it, which I'm currently doing right now. Uh, <laughs> that being said, you know, it, it was good. Go go check that out uh, through uh, Between the Whistles, right? Yep, through Between the Whistles. All right. You want to let us know what you're doing? I know you're talking a little more recruiting than we do on this show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I drop podcasts every uh, twice a week. Monday goal is Monday and Thursday um, and drop and talk about pretty much any and everything Michigan State recruits, um, recruits, news stories, call out CBS for ranking Mel Tucker number eighth in the Big Ten, but Big Ten coach. And then all of a sudden he makes the big, the Dodd watch list. So, you know, things of that nature, calling out the hypocrisy. Uh, it is a it is, I am a fan, so it is not a completely unbiased pro uh, podcast. So just heads up on that one. Well, you know we're not exactly uh, <laughs> we're, we're not exactly unbiased here either. Uh, that that being said, you know we try to take that look, and we can try to take that look today uh, with the defensive backs. You know, I want I want to start a little bit of a series. You know, we'll obviously talk about expansion as that happens throughout the course of the summer but you know we're going to start previewing uh the position groups on the michigan state football team and we're going to start with look to me this is one of the most intriguing groups just because they sucked so bad last year they're just absolutely terrible i think there's some bright spots and uh you know, we're going to try to cover that all. We're going to go over the projected starters. We'll do that right now. And then we'll get into, you know, what your uh, pro is in regard to, you know, what, what are you looking forward to out of this group? And, you know, what's that one thing that you're still kind of questioning? And, look, uh, there were a lot of questions last year. Uh, I think one of those questions got shored up. And, like I said, we're going to go over the projected starters right now one by one. And look, Mel Tucker runs a four-two-five, and one of those questions got answered at the end of last year, and that answer came in the form of Darius Snow, who locked it down at the end of the year. I think he had a sixteen-tackle game, uh, just an absolute monster, hard hitter. They're saying he's going to move to linebacker. Sean, I don't really see that happening. Uh, I see him kind of being a rover type deal like Sir Darian Adams was, like George Webster if you want to hop in the way, way back machine. And I see him kind of playing linebacker. And then if they come out three, four wide, he just pops out and like, all right, you know what, I got this full. 
and that's kind of how I see him operating. Other than that, I heard rumors uh, Chester Kimbrough might be starting in the slot. Uh, you know, things could have changed since then. Um, as far as that nickelback position, I think that's better for him. I think it's more man as opposed to zone. Zone, he tends to give up a little too much cushion. I think this would be a good move for him. That said, you know, Darius Snow is still my boy. Ever Anybody who's listened to a second of this podcast knows how much I love this kid. And uh, I, I think ultimately they're set here regardless. I, I agree. Now, the thing with Darius Snow, right, is I think Darius Snow – is going to be that, um, and and the, what Michigan State fans are going to realize is they, they're creating that Viper position that Michigan had for so long, right, with Kalik Hudson and Jabril Peppers. They're creating that guy that can run, that can stop the run. He's a hard hitter, but he can also drop into coverage, right? That, that guy that kind of gives them some versatility where if they show up with two tight ends and they're going to run the ball down your throat, he can be on the field, and then in the next play, they've got five wide. He, you're not trying to run a guy on and off the field. That's what Darius Snow is going to provide Michigan State, and I think that's the role they're looking for him to for him to fill within the scheme. Yeah, he's that weapon X. He's that rover-type guy. Um, yep. another, another name to keep an eye on, though, Justin White, because you started seeing him get more and more play the second he and Gus Johnson's were – Got shot out of a cannon and blew up Cade McNamara. Uh, yeah, during the Michigan game and like that—that that was his introduction to the Michigan State fans. And he—he kind of came on and he was okay. I think they moved him to the outside, uh, but he's—he's going to be a backup. But he's going to be a solid backup wherever he is. Um, looking at the other starters, we're going to hop over to the corners. Ronald Williams, I think this one's the most intriguing for me because I don't know why I didn't hear his name last year. Now, the old the old adage is, hey, if you don't hear this guy's name, that means he's doing a good job. You know, like you look at uh, the New England Patriots, everyone kept talking, oh, Stephon Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, blah, blah, blah. No one was throwing towards him. But then you look at what J.C. Jackson did, and he did really, really well. And Ronald Williams may have just been that Stephon Gilmore in regard that nobody heard of Chester Kimbrough in these. And so I don't know if he got better because they were like, oh, sucks even more. So I'm just going to walk. He legitimately got good. And here's the thing is, I think it's he legitimately got. I so Ronald Williams, I think, is the most intriguing, right? Because both of us were very frustrated with him early on in the season, right? He was getting beat on dumb routes, he was making some dumb plays, but then towards the end of the season, he really solidified himself as like a legit Big Ten starter at cornerback. It took, I mean, it took him a while to get his feet under him, but it was not, this wasn't a, I don't want to make it seem like. He was awful at the beginning of the season, but for teams that for a team that had produced Trey Waynes and Darquez Bernard and all of these all of these top tier quarterbacks in college, having a guy who was giving up the route because he didn't turn his head or he let the guy cut outside was that that was a problem. 
And so I think he, I think Ronald Williams solidified himself as the, as like the one of the starters coming into this season now. Yeah. And again, my question is, uh, is did he get better or was it a situation where the other side was just so, so bad that they were just like, no, you I... know what, Ronald Williams all right. And so no, we're just going to go the other way. All right. So that that's a loaded question. And let me explain why I think it's a loaded question. As, as Spartan fans, right, we heard all last season, all last season, oh, Michigan State is giving up more pass yards than anybody else in the country. They have the last-ranked pass defense, right? Yeah. And I will defend Scotty Hazleton in that he was working with what he had. That defense last year was a bend-don't-break defense. When you mm-hmm. look at – so if you exclude Ohio State and Purdue, right, the two games we lost, if you, if you look at it, yeah, they're giving up a ton of yards, but no touchdowns. Yeah. They were playing the they were playing the game that we hate of hey let them catch the ball just don't let them run afterward right because uh, because at the college collegiate level if you ask a quarterback to make 15 throws in a row to continue driving the field he's not going to be able to do it even if it's simple yeah. five yard out routes he's not going to yeah. want he's not going to do it he doesn't have the patience for it and he's going to he's going to want to throw deep and that's when the drive stalls. So I think he was they were working with what they had. And so I think Ronald, I think Ronald Williams legitimately got better because he became more comfortable with the scheme. He came from Alabama. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, he doesn't know what good coaching is. It's not like he came from like Washington State or something. He came from a legit national title contender and received received that coaching from the Saban staff. So he knew he knew exactly what to do. It was a matter of getting getting comfortable within the system. So yeah, I think he I think he got better and he got more comfortable. Yeah, and that, I mean that's one of the things too is Tucker's is one you know one of the defense backs coach uh, you mm-hmm. know just creating just producing player after player in the SEC. Uh, some of it under saving. So I, I I think you're right. I I tend to agree with you. I'm gonna keep my I'm, I'm going to reserve the right to change my opinion until we see how this other guy is. And that other guy is another transfer from the SEC, and that's a mere speed from Georgia. This from another this national kid, championship team. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this kid is Richard Sherman light from mm-hmm. all accounts. Six foot four, yeah. rangy. The receivers are talking about how they don't like going against him and this receiving group for my money is the third or second best in the big 10 obviously behind ohio state maybe michigan if bell can return to form this, this kid is just 100 percent promise at this point yeah well so let, let me let me i guess temper and then like flame, fan the flames a little bit this guy, this kid started three games at the beginning of the season with on the and that Georgia defense that I shit I think they ended the season on let, letting up less than a touchdown per game. He was a critical role starting the season, and then through you know he had some injuries, and then there's a five star behind him that kind of just seized that opportunity, and so he got beat out. It wasn't like he was a, a premier 
a premier talent that like could not be replicated on the field. Like take Devonte Smith last year for Alabama. Right. Um, right. This kid, this kid, could, he was good. He was a good player, but he was a replicable talent for Georgia. Is he, is he a dime a dozen talent for us? No. I think aside from Ohio state, he, he has the ability to lock down any, any wide receiver in the big 10. Because, let's face it, he faced better wide receivers day in and day out at Georgia than he does at the big in the Big Ten. So, I think, I, again, we have to temper the expectation of you're, you're getting another guy from a national championship team. It's going to take him time to get comfortable. It's going to take him time to get into, the, into what Tucker wants him to do. But I think, I think he has the absolute ability, right? And so... If you look at last year, Kenneth Walker came in. He was a good back. He was a good running back from Wake Forest. Everyone's like, all right, cool. He might be able to produce between him and Elijah Collins and Harold Joyner. We probably got a solid backfield. And then he comes out and he's a Heisman contender in week two. So, I mean, we got to temper the expectation. Yeah, week one. First, first play, first touch of the ball, and he's 75 yards and gone. So I think it's – I think you have to – we're tempering the expectations, but as far as being able to replicate or execute what Tucker wants him to do, 100% speed can do that. It's just a matter of how long does it take him to get comfortable, right? Yep. So for my money, I think, I think speed and Williams are completely viable. Those are your completely viable starters, and those are starters that are going to win you eight, nine games. You know, because there's still the there's still the Ohio State's out there, and I don't understand it. But Purdue produces like one Big Ten wide receiver of the year every year. So there, you know, there's still those games where you're like, all right, we've got to really lock this guy down. But those guys, they're gonna they're gonna stop the col- they're gonna stop collegiate wide receivers. They just are. Yep. And uh, let's let's get to the back end. Uh, we're gonna start with Angelo Gross. Gross. Gross to me. Look. Uh, he he's undersized. He's he he hits a lot harder than uh, you know what his size indicates he might do to a receiver cross in the middle. But to me, he's one of those guys who you know he's okay in coverage. He's not great. He's okay in coverage, but he can play center field like a boss. Yeah. Yeah. So in my opinion, the like, and it's not a positional comp, but just like the body type and the work ethic, he's a Kenny Willekes. He's a smaller guy for his position, but he's got a motor that won't stop. He can hit, he can hit like he's running through a door. Um, so I think he has if you the want, ability. If you, if you want to get a little more of a closer comp as far as the position goes, based upon uh, what Sean was just saying, that's Josiah Scott. Yeah, 100%. A harder, hit, a, a harder hitting, slightly less in coverage, but can hit like a mug yeah he's not gonna he's never gonna excel at that man-to-man coverage right he just doesn't right. have that skill set but in that in that center safe like that free safety role that hey we just need somebody on the 2d on the left hash to the boundary that, that's your man and he is gonna he is gonna blow them out of the water every time he's got an eye for the ball he can he's got great closing speed it's just he doesn't have the step for step to stay with those with those higher end wide receivers that just have the speed on it. They're they're bigger and they have the speed. There were uh, 
there's another safety who was a little undersized and who never had great speed, but had that closing speed when that ball was up in the air, all of a sudden you look up, you know, he goes from five yards behind to stride for stride with a guy. And uh, that's recently retired Kari Willis. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying gross is going to end up like Josiah Scott. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Kari Willis (laughs) ended up being at the end of his career, but it gives me that hope because I've never seen a player take that type of a jump between, you know, his first two years and his last two years, like Kari Willis took. I've never seen it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I sat there and I was like, oh, career backup, career backup, and, you know, maybe he gets a shot at one of these XFL, AFL, even the lingerie football league. I don't freaking know. And he was that that's what I thought he was going to be. And, you know, you turn around and it's like, this dude is a first team all pro. <laughs> and yep. so I, you know, Jackson's finest representing my hometown. <laughs> so along with Tony Dungy, but yeah, that being said, he, he gives me that intrigue. I don't think he's going to be that, but the potential is there when you talk about the work ethic, you, when you talk about these little, littler guys hitting hard, you know, you're talking about that time working out. You're talking about that time getting ready. And so I think Gross can be that type of a guy. Uh, last starter, he's been on Mich- Michigan State's football team since uh, their last national championship, 1966. <laughs> and that's uh, Xavier Henderson. Now, now this, this is who I like in Xavier Henderson, too. Xavier Henderson, to me, is Eric Smith from the John L. Smith days. And what I mean by that is he's a phenomenal run stopper. You can throw him up in the box. You can get him, uh, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. He can cover. He does have a little bit of that coverage ability. You've got that, um, you know, like Gross, he's very hard hitting. Doesn't take great angles, though. But to me, he translates to where he can, like Eric Smith, he can be a weak side linebacker in the NFL, and he can and he can put together an eight year career. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing, the so Xavier Henderson, right? He is he is that leader uh, on the defense. He just is being around forever. His personality, he's leading that defense, right? Which allows these other defensive backs to focus on their jobs because they know that they don't, they don't have the added burden of stepping up and trying to be a leader on the team. Not saying that they're not, but when you know, you don't have to do that, you get to focus on yourself and what you need to do. Right. Yeah. Because when you're, when you're that leader, we saw it with Max Bola all the time. Max Bola was a fantastic middle linebacker, but he knew all that entire front seven where, where they were supposed to be going, and he could direct them, right? And th- yeah. so when you're not that leader, that takes that, that takes that whole dimension off, and you can focus on improving your skill set at your position. And so having that proven commodity at leader, uh, of that leader, that sets these guys up for success. I think we're looking, I think between Henderson, Gross, Snow, um, Williams, and Speed, I think we're looking at a – a defensive backfield that is going to be rough estimate before the season based purely on coach speak 
probably, I would say, fourth or fifth in the Big Ten. Like, just yeah, for backfield capability. Yeah, yeah, the ability is definitely there this year, which is really weird considering the fact that four of the five starters are back, and it was the worst freaking secondary <laughs> in the history of college football. So it's, it's just incredible to change that mindset because a lot of the weakness, I feel like, was the cornerback positions, and we feel like we got Ronald Williams halfway through the year, but that other cornerback spot was weak the entire time throughout, and that's where a lot of the attention was going for uh, the opposing quarterbacks. And so I think a mere speed might single-handedly be that difference maker. And yeah. I, I think that's where a lot of my optimism personally lies with this. You know, I said at the beginning of the show, I try not to be biased, but my optimism is in a mere speed. In a mere speed, I trust. And if you can trust him, Ronald Williams, like I said, good, not great. Uh, that's going to that's going to make things really hard, especially because I think, and we'll talk about this uh, later, the front six or seven, like we said, depending on where Darius Snow is lining up. Uh, you know, that I think that uh, those, I think this defense can be really, really good. And yeah. I, it all kind of centers on if Amir Speed lives up to the hype. Well, and so, if Ronald Williams is actually as good as I'm hoping he is. So, well, so, I mean, if you like Go with ahead. the Amir, like in Amir Speed, we trust, right? Mm-hmm. If uh, so, exclude. So, let me preface this by saying all of this excludes Ohio State because they're like oozing five star wide receivers. So, right. this doesn't apply to them. But for 13 out of the 14 Big Ten teams, if you take away their number one threat at wide receiver, it, most teams are pretty average, right? So, if yeah. we can, if it's mere, if a mere speed can lock down that number one wide receiving threat and take them off the board, then you know Ronald Williams doesn't have to be a you know all like um, an all American at quarterback to shut down the number two. Now he does right. if he wants to shut down number two at Ohio State, but he doesn't have to be to shut down the number two at you know Michigan or Minnesota or Penn State or you know Wisconsin. He just has to be a good college cornerback. And so I yep. think legitimately, if Amir Speed, like you said, lives up to the hype of everything we're hearing out of camp, which let's preface this with a large grain of salt, it's camp talk. So, you know, only so much can be taken truthfully out of that. But if you, if you, if we are sitting here saying, yes, Amir Speed can lock down the number one wide receiver across the board, then there is zero reason that we as a as a defense, Michigan State as a defense, cannot see a drastic improvement from another from 130 to you know possibly mid 50s, mid 60s as as far as like across the board for um for the uh, backfield. Yeah, and uh, that that would be good enough with what I think Michigan State's rush defense can be. Like I said, we'll talk about that when we break down some of the other positions. But I, yeah, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited about this. I'm intrigued about this. So we're gonna hit you up with uh, something that we really really like about this defense or about this uh, defensive backfield. Something we don't like, and I'm gonna go ahead. We're gonna start off with the don't like. I want to end on a positive note at least. Sure. What I don't like is the safety depth. Dylan Tatum. 
that's all I know. <laughs> like there's, there, and he obviously, you know, it's just a, he was a four-star recruit to safety. I'm excited about the potential and his future and stuff like that. But that safety position is incredibly weak behind Gross and Henderson, and Tatum hasn't seen the field yet. That that's an issue for me. Okay. Uh, well, since you took my answer of depth, I was just going to say depth as a whole. Um, but I will say I, the thing I don't like about this defensive backfield is you mentioned it with Xavier Henderson. They take bad angles. Like, just yeah. in general, when they get beat, they end up just behind the guy instead of taking an angle. Um, yeah, he, he, I, like, the, the, the biggest example of that was that Andrew Anthony 93-yard touchdown. Yeah, there's zero reason uh, it should have gone. Yeah, he should have been tracing up towards the sideline and then said he was running right where Andrew Anthony was when he caught yep. the ball. And that, and he never readjusted. He, ne- he said he just ended up uh, trying to follow the leader. And that, like that, that right there is every is what I said. Like what I said earlier about Henderson takes bad angles. Like, it's just incredibly bad with him. He's got the geometric acumen of my (laughs) two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Like, it's just insane to me. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch, especially from, like, at this point, a 60-year senior. It's – I have faith faith that, you know, Mel Tucker has has fixed that and Harlan Barnett have fixed that, but it, it was extremely frustrating to watch. Yeah, I I get so sick of that replay just because of that one angle. Like I just can't get over that. Yeah. Um, all right. So I said the depth of the safeties. I'm gonna go depth at corner for my pro. Okay. And and that includes the nickel position. Like I said, I think Gibber might be okay a little bit more man to man, supposed his own, which is what Michigan State does with the nickelback position. Um, you know, we talked about Williams and speed already, but then you have a lot of starting experience. Murphy Lowry, not terrible, little overly physical though. Uh, Brantley's healthy, hopefully, um, and will hopefully be healthy this year. You know, his weight is a concern because he's like, I don't know, like 96 pounds. Um, <laughs> but he, I mean, hands he, gold. yeah, he, he obviously, uh, flashed, a little bit of potential in that uh, same Michigan game, but then you didn't really see him after. And you have Kimbrough, you have White, you have good depth, you have depth with experience. I think that, you know, Kimbrough was not a starter on the outside by any stretch of the imagination, might be a starter in the slot, but the way you and I are talking about it, he's backing up in the slot, and I think that's even better. I I love the depth of the cornerback position because they're, yes, they were the same starters that got beat, but they're quality backups. They're not okay starters. They're bad starters, but they're quality backups. And so, yeah, I think that that's where I'm really excited. That's fair. And so, uh, um, between the whistles today, we posted that. You know, Charles Woodson was the greatest defense, college defensive player ever. Um, and it's hard to disagree with that, but that's not what I'm bringing it up. The video we posted was the one-handed interception by Charles Woodson in the third quarter against Michigan State, which really did nothing for the game. It was a great interception, didn't do a ton for the game, right? There was still a whole quarter and a half to play. Yeah, it was a unlike, unlike a one-handed reception interception to end the game, 
and really call it give you your only loss of the season. I'm yeah. I may be biased, but I when I watched that Charles Woodson play again, man, all I could see was Charles Brantley. I'm I it's all I could see a one-handed grab just bringing it down and ending the game. Um so my my positive for the for the defensive backs and it's a little it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Because you said depth that you said depth that uh cornerback. And yeah, there's a ton of experience because hey, we were injured. Everybody was injured. At some mm-hmm. point, everybody in the defensive back room started. Um I would say the the one that the one that I would have that's kind of a double-edged sword there is they were the worst in the country last year. There's right. literally nowhere to go but up. Like they cannot get worse. And yep. with the amount of experience they have and the coaching and then the transfers they brought in, I I'm 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 expecting probably one of the largest dr- jumps in NCAA history for where where a group ended one year before and where they got to the year at the next year. I so conservatively I've been saying 50 I've been saying 50 to 60. I legitimately could see this t- this squad being a top 20 in the defensive backfield. But for the exact reasons you mentioned, there's a ton of starting experience, there's a ton of depth at cornerback and we're we're bringing back a lot of talent. The depth at safety is a concern. If we lose Gross and Henderson, I don't really know what's there. But if everybody stays healthy and we can rotate people through, this squad can absolutely be a top twenty. Top top twenty. You know, one one thing you know, we talked about Kimbrough uh, potentially being good in the slot as opposed to on the outside, and why that may be. So I think another option with him and Justin White in the nickel as that nickel role. You know, if a safety were to go down, plug snowing. Yeah, like like making that weapon X. Uh, you know, if that's if you don't think Tatum can uh, handle it this early in his career, but I mean that that's where I'm at. I I think that uh, I I think the starting experience. It, it's so weird because you don't want to fall victim to the. To the promise of it. Oh, well, we got a lot of experience returning. Yeah, but it's a good experience. And, yeah. you know, we ha- we kind of highlighted where Henderson struggles, where Gross struggles, where Kimbrough struggles, which is pretty much everywhere. Where <laughs> where if, if Ronald Williams is actually good or not, and if Amir Speed can live up to the hype, because he is 100% promised. And so, like I said, it, it all falls on the new corner for Michigan State. If he's good, Snow's gonna be good. Ronald Williams might be able to thrive on a number two as opposed to on, you know, Rambo from Miami, who where he's gonna give up thirteen receptions or something like that, and all on freaking butt hooks. <laughs> so that like those three can completely shut it down, and so the question becomes the safeties, but to have the safeties be an issue, you have to be able to get over the top of the corners. And I don't know if that is possible. Oh, and yeah. so, I mean, you, you said it, Smith Najimba or what, however you pronounce it. JSN. And, uh, JSN. <laughs> yeah. That dude from Ohio State that was better than anybody who got drafted in the first round last year. Um, but but <laughs> him and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., like th- those two will be able to do it. 
That that's not going to be an issue. But it's not going to be looking at one of these situations like I was last year. Like I could run ten yard out and bring the ball in against these scrubs. Yeah, it's well, it's okay. not going to be that situation. Okay, so we'll 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 end on the we'll end on this because you said against these scrubs. How much of it was Scotty Hazelton knowing what the limitations were and saying, yeah. "Hey, beat us short." Because I, looking back at it, like I've kind of I've watched the film a couple times, it's yeah. not like the it's not like these guys are getting beat. They're giving five yard cushions, and D, and offensive coordinators were just taking it because, yeah. and you saw it all the time. These these teams are driving down the field, and then they try some stupid play where they try to go over the top, or they try like a like an in route over the linebacker, and they end up paying for it. And yeah. that I think that was Scotty Hazelton recognizing, hey, we don't have the personnel that can go step for step with any of these number one wide receivers. Let's let's give it to them and then force those quarterbacks to stay patient, stay diligent, take what we're going to give them, and make fifteen passes on a drive because yeah, we so didn't, we weren't we weren't giving anybody anything up on the run. Yeah. So the next question is is. Is a mere speed enough to change Hazelton's play calling? And that, that's I, one of the questions that we yeah. got coming into it. Like, yeah. that, that's that's going to be the question. Is, is he enough to change it? And if he changes it, that's going to open some things up. And I think that opens things up for 23, which to me it makes the entire defense better. Absolutely. So, so that's where we see him there. But, hey, Sean, congratulations again on the podcast, brother. You know, check it out bro. beyond the banks um, through uh, between the whistles. And then uh, obviously stick with us. We'll continue to cover an expansion uh, talk throughout the summer. We'll also break down any of the other. Uh, we'll break down the rest of the positions as we go. Just kind of a grab bag. I let Sean pick what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> uh, and so we're going to keep doing that. Uh, you know, other people will be on and, you know, Sean will be back with us unless he got too big for our britches. Um, but that does it for us. I here got that for you, man. <laughs> All right. That's what I like to hear. That does it for us here on Trouble with Snap. For Sean Vergoven, I'm Tyler Haywood.